Hello everybody, my name is Asher, your host for the Revenue Journey podcast where we interview and grab unique perspectives from amazing individuals doing technology sales within the APEC and ASEAN region. Welcome to episode 3 of the podcast. In the previous episode, we spoke to Clara, who shared more about her journey starting out in technology sales as a sales development representative, also known as a SDR, even though she came from a non-technical background. Now, I highly recommend that you check out the previous episode if you haven't done so. But I also understand that there may be many of you who are new to the concept of technology sales and you may be curious or even interested to find out or even know more. So today in this episode, I wanted to give a little bit more context on the sales development representative role or again, the SDR role, which is typically a role that helps to kickstart your journey into technology sales, especially in the SaaS world, also known as software as a service. At the same time, I'll be sharing some personal experiences of mine and hopefully you find value in this episode. So with that being said, let's get this episode started. Now, there are a few things I want to point out here. If you search the term technology sales or sales development representative or even business development representative on YouTube, you will be able to see many videos already explaining the concept of this role, what the role does, and potentially what you can expect on a daily basis. And personally, I recommend checking out this YouTuber called Patrick Deng. And he has a couple of videos talking about various roles in software or technology sales really well. In fact, you could even say that this episode is slightly inspired by him. But I think what makes this episode different is that I wanted to share some personal experience on how the execution of this role is different in this region as compared to places like, let's say, the United States or the UK. But I also want to point out that my full-time sales career has mainly been in selling SaaS applications or representing SaaS applications, again, also known as software as a service. And the terms I use could be slightly different when you compare them to other types of technology companies. I say this because I've done contract roles as a telemarketer in a web design and SEO company before, and I've interned as a sales intern in a local company that sells point-of-sale systems, and the way their sales team is structured could be different from how SaaS companies do it. And according to Salesforce, SaaS is defined as a way of delivering applications over the internet or as a service, So instead of the traditional way of installing and maintaining software, companies who purchase SaaS applications simply access it via the internet. So this helps to free companies from complex software and hardware management, which is why SaaS applications are also sometimes called web-based software, on-demand software, or hosted software. And of course, examples of companies that sell SaaS applications or SaaS software include companies like Salesforce, HubSpot, Dropbox, Zoom, Google. Many of these software or applications that these companies sell, you simply just need an internet connection to use them, to utilize them. And again, that is why we call it software as a service. So with the context of SaaS being given and the context of this episode being given, we want to get right down to it. And the first question I want to answer is this. So what exactly do you do as a sales development representative or as an SDR? You may have heard that this role doesn't really require you to close any sort of deals and you just bring in qualified or good leads, which is why it's typically a role where recent graduates may try to apply for. Now, in many organizations, they may call this role business development representative, account development representative, or something followed by development representative. Now, as the name suggests, you pretty much develop business, develop sales, or develop opportunities for your company. 
And your KPI or rather your deliverables is simply to bring qualified leads to your account executive and your commission depends on that. Now think of the account executive as the person who is closing the deal. So after you bring in a qualified lead to the account executive or the AE, they will be the one to negotiate, maybe do a demo, maybe work with a solution engineer or a sales engineer to do a technical demo. And they are the ones who do the negotiation, get the prospect to sign the contract so they become a customer. So the question is this, what exactly is a qualified lead? Now in my own experience, in my own words, I would simply say that a qualified lead is someone, a potential customer, who is really looking to buy, they have a real problem, and they are looking to solve it with your particular software, your particular service offering or product offering. And different organizations have different criteria for a qualified lead, right? So if you're interested, you know, most companies would use uh, the BANT framework, which is B-A-N-T. So B stands for budget, A stands for authority, N stands for need, T stands for timeline. So an AE would typically ask the BDR, hey, this lead that you are passing me, have you spoken to them? If you have spoken to them, okay, what's their estimated budget for purchasing this software? Um, are you speaking to the right authority? Are you speaking to someone who can make decisions on behalf of the company? Do they actually have a need? Can we solve their problem? And what's their timeline? Are they looking to buy next year, in the next six months, or in the next three months? So really, the SDR and AE has to work really closely in order to push a deal through. And of course, the next question you may be asking is, how do I get these leads? Do I just take a bunch of phone numbers from online or from yellow pages or do I purchase some sort of database and I just pound the phone and try to get connected to as many people as possible? And am I essentially just a telemarketer? So my personal answer based on my personal experience is I would say it's a yes and a no. So the reason I say that is because you don't just pound the phone. You don't just do cold call as an SDR. And many people make the mistake that an SDR is simply just a telemarketer. But the main difference is that I believe a SDR is much more strategic in nature. So if I were to talk about my experience doing telemarketing in a contract role for three months, it's really just pure cold calling every single day. You will just find the numbers from yellow pages. You will potentially purchase a database from somewhere. And all you do is just look at the company name. You just try to call into the company. There's no context. You're just pounding the phone to small businesses and you're just trying to pitch and you're just trying to see what sticks. And obviously during my three months contract role there, I really didn't do a good job. I think one part was that I wasn't really trained and it was my first time doing it. But if we are talking about small SaaS business today, you'll find yourself targeting bigger business, not just small businesses. And when I say bigger business, it could be 500 employees and above. And you are trying to do outbound prospecting to them. You are trying to go into those companies, try to speak to someone, get someone that has the authority or certain influence to make decisions on behalf of the company to try to talk to them and try to get a conversation with them. And from my own personal experience, what I've learned is that these companies don't have time for you and they have so many other salespeople wanting to get their attention. So what I've learned is that you have to capture their attention and make sure it's relevant before they even consider talking to you. And this is why I said you have to be more strategic in nature as a SDR as compared to a telemarketer. So personally for me, when I targeted big businesses, or in this case, we call them enterprise accounts, I always like to do a little bit of research on either the key people within the company or just research about the company itself. So what I would do is that I could potentially go into Google, search out the company name, 
I could potentially go into their website or I could look at their annual report and find out more information such as what's their strategic goals for next year and how potentially my software could fit into their strategic goal. Sometimes I may even do research on the key people. I may go onto their LinkedIn, find out what were the roles they did beforehand, find out what do they say about themselves in their description page or their about me section. And I could use some of those words to reach out to them. And when I do those research, I typically just put the information uh, into one place and then I will put them into an email or the next time I call them, I may reference to those things that I've researched. So I think that does a few things, right? Number one, it shows that you did your research, you did your work. You're not just trying to call them or email them and try to get a meeting. It shows that you value them. It shows that you understand or rather you try to understand their problem. And I've seen that it works pretty well most of the time although not always, because again, people are busy. But if you show that you try to understand their business or you try to make the effort to understand, I think most people could potentially give you a shot. And of course, again, as a SDR, what I did back then was I tried to reach out to them via multiple channels. So instead of just pounding the phones every single day, I tried to reach out with emails. I tried to reach out with calls. Sometimes I tried to reach out to them via LinkedIn messages through a connection. Or if we have any sort of webinars or physical events, I would invite them. And the whole idea is to just increase touch point, increase visibility, so that the more they see you, the more they may feel like, okay, maybe it's time for me to check out your company, check out what your software does. Or in the future, if there is a good timing, let's say the company decides, hey, I need to purchase this sort of software to solve this problem. Guess what? They may just think of you at that moment because you've reached out to them multiple times and they just can't forget you. But also at this point, do take note that sometimes an SDR role could also refer to an inbound SDR. You may have seen even this word before, inbound SDR, on LinkedIn, the jobs page. Now this role doesn't really require you to do any outbound prospecting. And sometimes the job description will just tell you your job is to qualify inbound leads. Now this could be leads that downloaded a content from your website or they requested a demo. And the inbound SDR could just give them a call drop them an email and see how they can help and at the same time qualify the leads using the relevant framework. And it's quite typical for companies to make sure that you do this role first before you do an outbound SDR role. But for some companies like the ones I've been at, a SDR could just do both the outbound and inbound function. And earlier on, I talked about how you need to do emails, calls, LinkedIn. The next question would be, how do you then keep track of all these activities? Is there a way to automate it? Does it mean that I have to manually type emails to every single people that I'm reaching out to? Does it mean that I have to key in their numbers one by one and give them a call? How do I actually manage or automate all these things? Now, if you're already an SDR today, this is probably not new to you. But I would say to those of you who are new is that there are tools out there. Software is amazing. There are tools out there to automate all of these activities, automate your prospecting activities, and give you access to information about people you may want to target. So for example, for many companies, they use tools like Zoom Info or Lead IQ, and these are typically what we call lead intelligence tools. So these tools will scrape a lead's LinkedIn profile, or they may scrape a company's website and try to find contact information about different leads, about the people working there. So that gives you the contact information. Sometimes you may use tools like Outreach or Sales Loft, which are sales engagement tools, and that allows you to automate emails. And lastly, people may use VOIP dialers. So it's a dialer that just sits on your laptop 
and you can just call people from there using the internet. So you may not even need to use your mobile phone to call people. And of course, you can use tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator to get access to people's profile, find out more information through LinkedIn itself. And you can literally automate close to like, let's say 500 templated emails a day, for example, and ensuring that you change the first name based on the person that you are sending to. So it feels like it is a little bit more personalized. But of course, all these tools have limitations, especially in this region, in ASEAN region, right? So for example, your lead intelligence tools like Zoom Info or Lead IQ would probably not work well in countries like Thailand, Indonesia, Cambodia, Vietnam, etc. as compared to the US, simply because the lead or data source just isn't there. But there's something I want to point out here is that in the US, Australia, or maybe even Singapore, this sort of modern prospecting method is very common. So I talk about LinkedIn, email, calls, doing a mix of all these different channels. It's quite common here. But again, as I say in ASEAN, depending on the countries and types of products or services your company sells, you may need to do things slightly different. So one reason these tools have limitations, especially in this region, is for example, your lead intelligence tool like Zoom Info or Lead IQ that helps you to scrape for a leads information. Again, it probably wouldn't work well in countries like what I mentioned, Thailand, Indonesia, Cambodia, etc. As compared to the US, the lead source, the data source just isn't robust. So if you have no contact information about a lead to start with, you can't prospect through online means. And additionally, most of the ASEAN customers may still be more used to only buying from people they know or they met in real life. And buying over the internet could be really new to many different customers in different parts of the world. And emails or phone calls just don't work well. And in ASEAN, there is still a large majority of people that are not on LinkedIn. So you can't really use LinkedIn to reach them. Not to mention that the language barrier could be an issue as well. For example, if you are a Singaporean and you try to call a prospect in Vietnam, it's going to be really tough to get into a conversation simply because of the language barrier. And let's say even if the prospect that you are reaching to, they just so happen to know English pretty well, they can speak conversational English, they can read most English words. Even if they can read your email and your email reaches their inbox, they may not really want to speak with you because you can't speak their native language. They could be wondering, hey, what if my associates request for support and I need someone who can speak my native language. And this company that is based in the United States has employees in Singapore, for example. None of them speak, let's say, Vietnamese. How will that actually work? So these are really things that will run through their head. And as you can start to see, there is really a lot of need for local support, local language, localization. And that is why for maybe US companies who are trying to come into APEC, into ASEAN, it takes a lot of work you really need to start to localize things on a local level because every single country within ASEAN is different by itself. We have similarities, but yet at the end of the day, we are different. And that is why it's so important that people don't just treat APEC as a region by itself and assume that what works in, let's say, Singapore will work in Malaysia. What works in Malaysia will work in Indonesia because every single country is unique by itself. They have their own culture. They have their own way of doing business. So sometimes you can't just expand into APEC just like that. I think a lot of US companies or people who have not come to ASEAN or APEC before, they think that, okay, I'm just going to implement it for Australia and replicate that across different countries. But you just can't do that because, again, every single country is unique by itself and you've really got to localize things. So in countries like this, I typically see two methods. Either the company will hire a local salesperson 
who speaks the native language to sell into that country. Or typically, companies could work through partners. These could be partners that are resellers, for example. They could resell a particular software from a US company, but they provide the local support. And they could earn based on margins, or they could charge for maintenance or other forms of services. Now, if you're interested to hear more about the role of partners in the sales process, let me know and I'll find a guest who can give more context into the topic. But of course, it's not just about speaking their language and that's enough. Now, in my time as an SDR, I've learned that when companies buy, they will also ask questions such as, what are the other companies you work with in this country or in this industry? Some companies may be really wary to not purchase your products or services if they have not even heard of you before. So this is where the marketing team comes in. And sometimes the SDR has to work really closely with the marketing team. So for example, the SDR is the one who speaks to the prospect. They do qualification call. They ask the questions such as, what are the problems you face? Uh, why are you checking out our software, etc., etc. And they have all this on the ground information and they can feed it back to marketing and say, hey, marketing, I may need you to create a localized case study or a localized use case or localized online webinar that tackles this particular subject for this country. And you may even ask them to create a localized content or localized physical event for different countries in their native languages. And that really gives the prospects more confidence when deciding whether to purchase from your company. So I came into the SDR role thinking, all I need is to be good at writing good emails and being good on the phone. Because again, when I listen to US sales leaders, all they say is, you got to write good emails, you got to be good on the phone. But I realized that in the ASEAN region, it's much more than that. Again, because of all the different countries, different cultures you have to take into consideration. And most of these things are out of your control. The fact is, if let's say an Indonesian company just want to buy from an Indonesia because of trust, there's nothing you can do if you're not Indonesian. And the things that I talk about, such as having local partners or localized marketing, is really about establishing trust first. Now, I truly believe that is the most important thing in the ASEAN region. We start with trust first. If there's no trust, I wouldn't even have a conversation with you or I wouldn't even consider purchasing a product from you. And that is why I feel that the SDR role in ASEAN is less about doing things yourself but working with different departments and strategizing about how you can break into certain companies, break into certain countries and get a conversation with different types of people. So for the last part, I want to answer the question on why we have a role like this instead of just a salesperson doing everything. Why can't they just do everything from prospecting, getting leads, all the way to the closing of the deal? And the truth is, in many non-SaaS companies, this could very well be the case. The salesperson has one KPI, just bring in revenue. And that means they could be doing everything from lead generation, prospecting, to negotiation, to the closing of deals. But as I've explained earlier on, the SDR role can be complicated as it requires someone to really focus on it full-time because you need to use the different tools efficiently and be strategic in nature. In fact, there are people who love the role so much that they do it for a couple of years without ever going into a closing role, or they could just become an SDR manager. In fact, I would argue that it's a very important role. This is because without the SDR, there could be very few or limited leads that the organization gets, and without leads, the AEs have pretty much nothing to work on. Now, Salesloft, the SaaS company that sells a sales enablement platform, wrote a great article about how the modern SDR role came about and I'll put it in this episode's description. But essentially, the modern SDR concept came from this guy called Aaron Ross. He was once the director of sales at Salesforce in his early days and currently he is the co-CEO of PredictableRevenue.com 
a consulting company that helps B2B companies triple sales growth and create self-managing sales team. Now, while he was at Salesforce, he realized a problem. Back then, the salespeople were doing everything from prospecting for leads all the way to the closing of deals. And he soon realized a few things or rather a few problems. Number one, when a salesperson is focused on closing a deal or negotiating a deal, they have little to no time to do prospecting. And when they finally close the deal, they start with zero leads or pipeline again. Secondly, he noticed that if a company just relies on inbound leads coming from marketing, the revenue becomes unpredictable. Because of multiple factors, you can never predict how many inbound leads you have a month. You can see trends, but at the end of the day, you could have 100 inbound leads this month and $0 next month because of whatever reason. But with an outbound prospecting team or SDR team, as long as they reach out to a set number of prospects a day, a month or a year, you can ensure that there is a certain percentage of people that will reply. And from those that reply, some of them may purchase the product and you will have a certain percentage there. And that means your revenue is much more predictable. So this is the history of how the modern SDR team came about. Now, hopefully that little sharing from myself gave you a good idea on the history of the modern SDR role and what the role involves. There's probably still a hundred more things I can share regarding the SDR role. But if you really want to know more, I would say the best way is to either number one, talk to another SDR from a company you like. Just make sure that when you connect with them on LinkedIn, just be polite, ask nicely. Most of them will be happy to give you their time. And I would strongly suggest you to talk to SDRs from both big companies and small companies because their challenges are different. Sometimes a SDR from a big company, their problem could be making sure that they qualify the leads really properly so that they are passing good quality leads to the AEs. But for SDRs from smaller companies, they may need to be more creative. They may need to strategize more and to understand how can we target those big accounts if they don't even know us. So it's really important that you just get perspective from different people. And number two, you can always reach out to me and I can see how I can help. Now, with that being said, thank you everyone for tuning in. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. Once again, my name is Asher. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn by typing in Asher Tua. That's A-S-H-E-R space C-H-U-A. Or click on my profile link in this episode's description. As always, you all know that this is my first ever podcast I'm doing and I would appreciate any feedback you may have. And if you have any suggestions on any particular topic or any suggestions on who I should bring on next, please let me know via LinkedIn. As always, I'm excited for the next episode. I'm always looking forward to it. For now, take care, stay safe and have a great revenue journey.